Okay, we'll read the same passage in our English Bibles. Mark 6, verse 30 to 44. We're just continuing the series. And you'll notice that next time is Jesus uh, walking on the water. So you see the green grass and the water. We'll get to that in a second. But let's read verses 30 to 44. Just continuing. Remember the last passage we focused on? That's when Herod had his banquet. And whose head was served on a dish, on a plate? John the Baptist's head. They, Israel lost a prophet. And uh, this is amazing what follows now. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told them all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitudes, that means the crowds, saw them departing, and many knew him and, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go to the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and said to them, No, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. They found out, they said, Five loaves and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And two fish he had divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Now can you imagine five thousand men if they brought their wives and then their children there's probably way more than 10,000 people there at the time. So that's our focus this morning. Um, you notice what we, that was some weeks ago we focused on the passage just before this. But we move now from Herod's banquet in his palace, in his royal palace, to another banquet. Where? In the wilderness. One banquet is the banquet of the world. And here we come to the banquet of Christ. Two different menus. Remember Herod's banquet? We heard about that. That gruesome beheading of John the Baptist. Israel lost a prophet. A prophet that was continually pointing them to Jesus. They lost a prophet. King Herod has served John's head on a dish, on a plate, for his birthday. Remember who schemed all of that? 
his wife, his wife. And his wife got her daughter to dance. And Herod just loved her dance, and then that was the way that she could carry out her scheme to have head, the head of John the Baptist cut off. But King Herod is the opposite of the greater king. Who's the greater king? Jesus. He's the greater king. Herod, as one author says, for Herod, Jesus' sheep, Jesus' flock, was simply food to supply his table. But King Jesus, he is the good shepherd, the true shepherd. What does he do? He gives his life for the sheep. And in Mark 6, 30 to 44, we hear about a totally different kind of feast. It's almost like a picnic. Those words, on the green grass, right? That word green is very important, as we'll see in a moment. It was on the green grass, outdoors. It was like a banquet. It was like a table in the wilderness. This is in a deserted area. But what does that make you think of? Green grass, outdoors. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. We can go on. Because right after this scene, where does Jesus go? He goes to the lake. And what happens at the lake? In verses 45 and following, Jesus is walking on the water and calming the storm. And then you go to the next verse in Psalm 23. He leads me beside the still water. Wow. You see Psalm 23 coming to the fore here, don't we? In John chapter, sorry, Mark chapter 6, after that gruesome banquet, here is the true shepherd. The true shepherd, he hosts a banquet for sheep, for wayward sheep, sheep who are so lost. And what does he do? He hosts a banquet on the green grass. Yes, in a wilderness. When you think of wilderness, what do you think of? Sometimes it's harsh, without food. It's uh, not an easy life. But here you see him hosting a feast on green grass. We're going to see two things here. If you look at verse 34, the emphasis is on teaching. So as shepherd, he teaches. That's what we see in verses 30 to 34. He teaches. And as shepherd, he feeds. That's what we see in verses 35 to 44. So shepherd, he teaches, and a shepherd, he feeds. Let's look at the first point. A shepherd, he teaches. Verse 30, what's it say there? Then the disciples gathered to Jesus, told them all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. What is Jesus doing here? He takes us back to the time when he had sent the disciples out. Remember? Two by two on a mission. They had to go throughout Galilee. And what did they have to do? They had to teach. They had to preach. And call the people to repentance from their sin. They confirmed their message. What? By casting out demons. By healing all the sick. Yes, they had to all the people to repent of their sins. Why? For the kingdom has come. The new life, the forever life has come in King Jesus. 
That's what the disciples had to do. They had to go out and just tell the people. And now they had returned from their mission. That goes back to chapter 6, verses 7 through 13, by the way, the, the sending out. Now they return from their missionary task. And what do they do? They report to Jesus. Everything they had done, everything they had taught. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? To share with Jesus and talk about what you do as servants in his kingdom. Whether as wives in your home, looking after your children, or in your day-to-day work, or as students at school, just talk to Jesus. He hears, he listens. Just report to him. Talk to him. It's a relationship. And that's what they're doing here. They're just reporting. And everything that they had done and taught, they love sharing with him, and Jesus loves to listen. And the disciples, we come to know, were really, really busy. Too much so that they needed rest. And then you see verse 31, Jesus says to them, you come aside by yourselves and you go to a deserted place. That word deserted literally means wilderness. You come to a deserted place and you rest a while. For there were many coming and going and they did not have time to eat. You know what? The needs of the people were so many. It's like a congregation. Multiple needs. Fears, anxieties, disabilities, concerns, disappointments, all kinds of things. And people knew that they had to go to Jesus for that. But because the disciples had talked about Jesus, there are many, many more people. And so the picture here is that the crowds would just keep on coming and going. More coming and going. More coming and going. That's the picture given here. You know, there was no time, it says here, for the disciples to eat. They were so busy ministering to the needs of the people. You think about it, right? In a congregation, it's not a museum for saints, it's a hospital for sinners. That's what it is. And here Jesus and the disciples are just ministering to the people. And that's why Jesus finally says, you know what? It's time now for a little break. Let's go aside for a while. Let's go to a deserted place so that we can rest for all. You need a rest. So verse 32, they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. You notice that in those verses, 31, 32, 34, or sorry, 35, a deserted place is mentioned three times. It's important. Something, when you see something mentioned several times in the Bible, you know that it's important. And why is it important? A deserted place reminds us of what? Of the wilderness in the Old Testament. When Old Testament Israel was in the wilderness, alone with the Lord. And that's what's here too. The desert, think of a lonely place. A place where there's no food. But having Jesus makes all the difference. When you have Jesus, you have everything in your life. Around them, there is nothing. Wilderness, what's in the wilderness? But dry, parched sand, hot sun, But they have the Lord. They get away. And who's following them? (laughs) The crowds. As a matter of fact, the crowds reach to the wilderness 
even before the disciples get there. They're so anxious. They want to be continued to be ministered. Verse 34. The multitude saw them departing, and many knew Jesus and ran there on foot from the other cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. You see, it's really an amazing picture. Here the disciples say, okay, we're going to go in the boat, we're going to cross the sea, and we're going to have a rest for a while. In the meantime, what do the multitudes do? They're running. They're running along the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee. And who gets there first? The crowds. The people. Even before the disciples and Jesus get there. What do we conclude here? What a huge exodus. What a huge exodus of people. That's what it was. It's kind of like the exodus from Egypt. Remember that? When the people came out of Egypt, and who led the way? God did. Through whom? Moses. And that's what you sort of see happening here. Herod the king is kind of like a pharaoh, abusive, a worldly man, a non-believer. The people have been in bondage. They've been in their, in their sins, slaves to their sins. And now Jesus is kind of like, you could say, the new Moses who leads them out of Egypt to himself in the wilderness. You begin to see that you see so many Old Testament allusions here. Jesus is talking to the Jews. And that's why they understand that. They understand the, the language there. Jesus leaves them out as a new Moses in the wilderness to meet with him. It's a new exodus. You see that in verse 33? They come together to him, to Jesus, as one people of Israel, a flock, great numbers. And we read in verse 34, when Jesus came out, he saw them. He said, sorry, I have no time for you. We need to rest for a while. Is that what Jesus said? No. He was moved with compassion for them. Why? Because he saw that these were people without a shepherd. And what's the first thing Jesus does? He teaches. That's the first thing Jesus does, is he teaches the people. He teaches and teaches and teaches all day long. When Jesus sees the multitude, he almost breaks down. He weeps. It doesn't quite weep, but that that sense of just ready to weep. It just hits him in the gut. And it, the gut, so to speak, comes up to the heart. And he's just so moved by their lostness. He was feeling great pity. Sometimes, it, think of it this way, the great pity a mother has for a child when the child is severely ill. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an awful feeling. And the, the, the compassion, the grief, you just can't, I mean, it's deep in the stomach and it's just like your stomach comes up to your throat. <laughs> it's very hard. That's the sense here. Jesus sees the people and he's just struck, filled with compassion, so moved from the inside. The, the innards are so moved, so deep is his compassion for them. Isn't that a wonderful Savior? <laughs> he knows our need. and We can go to him with it. He knows. He knows. And these people are so lost. That's why he felt so moved in his spirit. 
They were like sheep not having a shepherd. What kind of king was Herod anyway? Right? A shepherd looks after the sheep. They take care of the sheep. But you know what? In Israel, think of their prophet, the prophet John the Baptist. He became food supply for the table of Herod. <clears throat> think of their religious leaders, the Sadducees and the scribes. They're fleecing the sheep. You know what I mean by fleecing? Just taking the wool from the sheep and, and using them for their own gain, for their own profit. There was no true shepherding. They were just making money off of them. But how were they like sheep without a shepherd? Think about it. They had no one to teach them. They had no one, no true shepherd teaching them. That's why they were so lost. That's why they're so lost. They need teaching. They need guidance. They need the light of God's word to guide them on the way and and show this straight and narrow path in the way of God's kingdom. Their teachers didn't teach the word. And because they didn't teach the Bible, they started going astray. They started going wayward. They went in many directions, thinking many different things, sometimes silly things. And they became very confused. You know, a lot of them, they became lost in rituals and laws. They didn't have a relationship with God. They were thinking of do's, or so we think of don't do this and don't do that and don't do that. Because if you look a little bit later in Mark chapter 7, verse 2, the Pharisees are the ones that are criticizing the disciples for eating bread. Why? Oh, because they didn't wash their hands. And it's not because of it was not because of hygienic purposes, it was their their laws that said religiously. You are not allowed to eat bread unless you first wash your hands and they criticize them. That's the kind of religion that they were under. Horrible. Laws and laws and laws and laws and no relationship with God. And now Jesus is showing them the way. He's teaching them. Beautiful. You know, the people were confused. And that's what happens when Christians don't receive true teaching from the Bible, they get confused. They think of all sorts of things. And that's what was happening here. You see the heart? The heart of Christ. He teaches. That's the first thing he does. He teaches. He teaches them. We read in verse 34, he began to teach them many things. Think about it. They probably had questions and questions and questions and, and he was teaching them many things. And that's what the church today needs too. What does the church need most of all today? Teaching. Teaching. More teaching. Shepherds, true shepherds who teach the word of God. And true shepherds that lead them to Jesus and lead them so that they can live in a right relationship with Jesus giving them guideposts along the way to protect that relationship. Jesus, the true shepherd, he was leading them out of their Egypt, out of their confusion, out of their religion. And now Jesus leads them to himself, and he's teaching them what? The awesome way of God's grace, leading them, showing them the way of salvation in him, 
and the way of faith. Yes, the way of faith in Jesus Christ. That's where salvation comes from, through faith in Christ. Think about that. The first thing that he does in showing compassion, he teaches. How many churches do that? I feel sorry. You need teaching. You need teaching. And that's what Jesus does here. He teaches. The teaching of God's word is so important to satisfy, to fill, and to bring to um, lost, lost people, to bring them to joy again of what it means to have a relationship with God through Christ. You know, listen to this. Paul's words to Timothy, who was also a shepherd. Timothy was a shepherd. What's Paul say? If you instruct the brothers, in other words, if you instruct the congregation, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. That's a mark of a good shepherd. Teaching, teaching, teaching. Nourished in the words of faith and in the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. And then he says, take care of yourself. Take care of the doctrine. Take care of the teaching. Continue in them. Because if you do this, you'll save yourself. You will save both yourself and those who hear you. Wow. It has to do with salvation. Teaching people the, the, the right way of salvation through Christ. As shepherd Jesus teaches. That's how he shows his compassion. He teaches the people. Not only that, but you also see him show his compassion in a very active way. He's action-oriented. And that comes to our second point. He feeds them. 35 to 44. You know what? In the following verses, what does Jesus do? He simply confirms what he's teaching. He confirms himself. Who he is. How? By the miracle of bread. Right? The multiplying of the bread is a sign. Always remember it as a sign. It's a sign here. A sign points to something. The miracle here is not just about, oh, they were hungry and Jesus wants to fill their bellies. That's a very natural, fleshly way of reading the passage. It's a sign that points to something greater. It points to Jesus and the abundance of of salvation that's in him. As a matter of fact, it points to Jesus, who is himself the, the bread of life. He gives his life as food. It's, it's Jesus pointing himself as one who gives his life as food for the salvation of his people. Now let's go back to these verses. I'm just giving you a bit of summary here. But think back again to the wilderness. For example, Exodus 16. Remember what the people of Israel ate? Bread. Manna. Manna. They ate manna. And Jesus points us out in his teaching on manna. If you go to John chapter 6, not Mark chapter 6, but John chapter 6, the same miracle occurs there. But there Jesus says, My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. It's a sign that points to him. Let's delve into these verses for a few minutes. Jesus must have been teaching for many, many hours. They didn't stop listening. Probably lots of questions. Lots of teaching. And by verse 35, we read there that the day was now far spent. That means it was long over. 
It was many hours later. And the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. And you also sense the impatience. Disciples are getting impatient with Jesus. What do they say? Send them away. Oh, how rude. What? Is this your sense of showing compassion? Send them away. See verse 36? Jesus, send them away that they may go out into the villages and towns and buy something to eat. For they had nothing to eat. You know, the disciples, they were probably tired, waiting for Jesus to finish. It was taking a long time. No food in the wilderness. Especially for 5,000 men. When you multiply that, add all the others, it's probably over 10,000. But it's time to send them on their way so that they could go to the villages and buy food. They don't consider the fact that maybe there's another way. What does Jesus say? Verse 37. He commands, he retorts right back. No, you give. You give them something to eat. You do it. It's your responsibility. You, you're called to host them. You're sending them away and looking after themselves? No, you, you give them. Those strong words. I mean, here Jesus is teaching them, the church is called to serve. The church is called to serve. And the response of the disciples is quite rude again. It's like saying, are you kidding us, all those people? Serious, Lord? Really? See verse 37, the second part? Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? 200 denarii, in those days, it was like one year's worth of wages. So you had to work one year. For a normal working man, that would be enough money, finally, to buy a meal for 10,000 people. But Jesus does not let up. He shows them their responsibility. He puts the responsibility on them. Jesus says, how many loaves of bread do you have? Go and see. Check it out. They come back. How many loaves of bread do they have, boys and girls? How many loaves of bread? Five. Is that enough to feed 10,000 people? Five loaves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But five, five thousand, and then you have double that, ten thousand, and then how many fish? Two. The disciples are thinking, "What is Jesus saying? What's he thinking? Why is Jesus saying this?" You know what Jesus is doing. He wants them, and also us to face our own complete inadequacy, our complete inability without Christ. We are totally unable. Their own works, our own works, are totally, totally inadequate. And that's what the disciples need to see, the inadequacy of themselves. They're empty in themselves. They have nothing in themselves. They have nothing to do There's nothing they can do to supply the need, let alone their own needs. The disciples don't do, they can't do, what it takes to feed thousands of people. And yet Jesus says, well, you give, you feed the crowd, you feed the 5,000. You know, Christ often asks us to do things that are impossible from our own perspective. Think about, you know, parents 
raising children. We can raise them and raise them in the fear of the Lord. Can we give our children faith? Jesus says, raise them. He can give them faith. That's just one example of that. Sometimes things look so impossible, but Christ is teaching us through those troubles when we come into crisis in our lives that He is all-sufficient. Everything that we need is found in Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Pray. He will do His work. That's what we see here. Here we see the new Moses, the all-sufficient Savior, solving a crisis in the wilderness. He solves the crisis. They can't. We can't. He solves the crisis. He provides. He says to the disciples, he tells them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks and hundreds and fifties. What do you see here? The disciples act. They do it. What does that show? They're believing. They're trusting. They go forward in faith. Even though it's in the impossible, it just doesn't seem possible. They go forward in faith anyway. They do everything that Jesus says. That's trust. And then you see this beautiful, colorful scene. Groups of hundreds and fifties spread out all over the green grass. Can you imagine? Just like tables everywhere set forth on the, on the green grass. A table in the wilderness. You know, the multiplying of the five loaves of bread in verses 41 to 43 really recalls the provision of man in the wilderness. What does Jesus do? He takes the five loaves and the two fish. After the disciples put them in the ranks of fifties and hundreds, Jesus takes those five loaves. What does he do? He looks up to heaven. He blesses the bread. He breaks it. He gives it to his disciples. And they distribute it. They distribute the bread. And it says here, and also the fish, and it says here, they all ate and were filled. You know, Joel, you said they broke it into pieces. But can one piece of bread fill your stomach? No. They were filled. They were full. And after they were full, how much did they collect? Twelve baskets full. Twelve baskets full of fragments and of fish. Think of twelve baskets. What does twelve baskets make you think of? The twelve tribes of Israel in the wilderness. The twelve disciples. One shepherd. One flock. There is sufficiency in Christ. Christ is able to provide. That and much more. He has no lack in himself to provide in our needs. Jesus is the, tr- the new David as well. We read in Ezekiel 34, 23. He says, I will establish one shepherd over them. He shall feed them, my servant David. Of course, David here refers to ultimately to Christ. Christ shall feed them and be their shepherd. Christ fulfills all those words. He is all of that. We see more than the miraculous provision of bread, however. What do we see? Again, remember, it's a sign. There's great provision, but it's a sign pointing to Jesus himself. The words of verse 41, where else do you hear those words spoken? 
at the Last Supper. What did Jesus do at the Last Supper? He took bread. And you almost see the same words spoken there. He took bread. The night before he went to the cross to be crucified on the cross for our sins, he took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to them and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Ultimately, it points ahead to that point of Christ's ministry when he offers his own body as food for his disciples, for believers. He's the bread. He's the bread of life. John 6.35 Jesus I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. That's the key. Coming to him. Trusting in him. Unlike Herod who took the lives of God's people to save his own life, what does Christ do? He gives his life for the sheep to save them from their sin and from the curse of sin. He gives himself, he gives his life for food so that we may live. What a shepherd. What a compassionate shepherd. He teaches and he confirms it by saying, here's my life for you. It's yours through faith in me. He speaks to us today, of course, as the risen Savior and Lord. What compassion. Can you think of anyone with greater compassion than him? Than Jesus? This point, when we come to know Jesus, he calls us simply to faith, to repent of our sins, even of our low thoughts about him. And to know that there is a promise of forgiveness and salvation to all who come to him in repentance and faith. That's what the disciples were doing in their mission to the congregation of Israel. Do you know what? The green grass shows what? Think of green grass in the wilderness. It's just an unlikely picture, isn't it? Green grass in the wilderness. What does it show? It shows that Christ transforms the dry desert into a place of refreshment, a place of life through the power of his Holy Spirit. Outside of Christ, there is no table, there is no green grass. A big home is no green grass. A nice car is no green grass. Owning millions of dollars is no green grass. It's dry. It's taken away eventually. Christ is the green grass. He fills our life with refreshment. Christ is abundance. The abundance of the bread shows that he himself is the abundance. He's never short of anything. We never need to lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. Psalm 23 once again. You know, this miracle points not only to Christ giving himself, giving his life, but it points to something greater even. The banquet that is yet to come. Revelation 19 verse 9. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And then everything will be all green. Totally green. Today, Yes, the green is still in the midst of the wilderness. God fulfills all our needs, whatever those needs may be. He truly and fully satisfies, giving himself to you in Christ. How do you receive Jesus? 
How do you receive him? Do you give yourself back to him? Not part of you, all of you, your whole life, all of you. That's what he wants. He gave himself for you first. And now he looks for a response. He wants all of us. Do we receive him by faith? If we do, then you can confess with Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. He makes, he causes me to lie down in green pastures. He teaches, he feeds. He alone fully satisfies. There is no other satisfaction outside of him. Everything else is broken wells and broken cups. But his cup is full. He fully satisfies. One more thing. Think about our responsibility as believers. Certainly to trust in the Lord, to simply trust, but also to share, like the disciples. Are we sharing the bread of life? The disciples were called to do that, share the bread. Are we sharing the bread of life? Oh, let's not keep it to ourselves. That's very selfish. I mean, there's more room at his table. There's a lot of empty chairs yet. Can you imagine if the disciples selfishly kept all the bread to themselves? What could have happened if they kept the five loaves and two fish to themselves? There probably would have been fighting. There probably would have been division. But you know what? The compassion of Christ shows to the church in sharing the bread, the abundance of bread to those who do not have. They shared the bread. And see what happened? It multiplied. Amen.